When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth Radio Show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name's Jeff Shade. As always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. Hope our listeners are well today, too. Certainly enjoy having you on the program today. And we want to remind you that if you miss any part of our program today, you can hear it all over again on the website of dronefinancial.com or we are a podcast so go to wherever you get your favorite podcast search for growing your wealth brian evans and you can hear something like 105 past shows right there on today's show brian we're going to be talking primarily about business things we'll be talking about selling your business to employees or family key person insurance setting up a retirement plan for your business and starting a new business let's start off brian with selling your business to family or an employee First of all, how do you know whether or not it's even the right time to sell? Well, that's that's a great question because obviously everybody has a different time. But I will share a statistic with you. If you're a baby boomer, of course, you're of the age where you're generally thinking about retirement, whether it's soon or, or at least someday. And right now, there are over 2.5 million businesses owned by baby boomers. Amazing. Yeah, that, there's so many uh, businesses owned by baby boomers. And, you know, you might be listening and go, well, I'm not a baby boomer. Why should I listen? Well, I think that for every one of the businesses that is sold, you have something called a buyer. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. might be the key employer family member that's, that's a buyer. And so whether you're working for someone that maybe you want to you know, own the business, maybe you haven't even thought about it, but you're going, you know, you're right. I mean, my boss is 65. I'm 35. I, I you know, learning how to do this stuff. Maybe there's a chance for me to buy out my boss. There might be. And so that's, that's a consideration here. But yeah, there's so many businesses out there and potential for people to get into ownership because, you know, how many choices does a 65-year-old have that mm-hmm. has a business? They either walk away for nothing and all their work goes away, all their legacy goes away, they don't get paid, or they sell it. Now, maybe there's no big corporation around to buy that business. So they're going, well, I, who can I sell it to? Oh, obviously, kids, you know, you can you can do that. Or often it's just sold to a key employee because a key employee might be the person best suited to carry on that business because of the skill sets. So, Brian, basically, that's the reason for selling your uh, business internally to uh, either family members or uh, key employees is the fact that they will carry on your legacy. Is that the main advantage? Um, it depends. Uh, I would say for many people, uh, the main advantage is money. I mean, you get paid. I mean, again, you can walk away from your business and not sell it to anybody, but most people that own their own business, that might be a big chunk of their retirement plan. They didn't put tons of money away all their the years they were working because they had to put it into inventory and equipment or employee costs or whatever. And so very often they get to the end there uh, of their career and they go, wait a second, my asset is my business. And so that's how I'm going to fund my retirement. So if you have a business that is truly a business, and what I mean by that is something that when you walk away, it still is delivering a high profit margin 
then you have a business. If you walk away and there's nothing there, then you probably don't have a business. You just had a job that you called a business. So, you know, there is a differentiation there. But if you truly have a business that has goodwill and, and good profitability and you can walk away and it still continues, then this is something you might want to think about selling to employees or family. Brian, if you have the choice of selling your business externally to someone who is just going to plop down a sum of money, or you can sell it to key employees, employees, or you can sell it to a family member, I mean, what is the advantage of selling it internally like that? Well, internally, there can be an advantage. Let's say you're, you're not going to sell it all at once, but you're going to sell it over time and your business is growing. Well, you know, I've been the recipient of this. I bought out uh, my partner originally 50%. I was brought in at 50% and it was an internal sale. And that allowed me to be a partner of a CPA firm and, and it allowed my partner to get monthly checks for a long period of time with interest. And so that was a, a win-win. And then uh, when I bought the, the remaining part of the firm, by then the firm was worth four times as much. And so I paid four times as much for the second half as I did for the first. It was a good deal for me, though, because it was a growing firm. It was a good deal for him because now he was able to sell the second half for so much more than the first and get another 10 years of payments from that. And so that helped fund him into his retirement. So it can be a very good thing if you have the right people you're selling to that they have the business acumen to carry uh, the business on. Brian, why would someone not want to do this strategy? Why would you not want to sell to key employees or family members? Maybe you just don't think they're capable. And you say, okay, I'm going to sell it to you for a million dollars. You're going to pay me 100000 plus interest per year for 10 years. And six months into it, they're locking the door because <laughs> the business failed because they didn't know how to run a business. And you go, huh, I got $50,000. They didn't even make any payments at all, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I didn't get anything for my retirement. Whereas if you sold it externally, they would write you a check for a million dollars, perhaps, in that case. So you're taking risk. Certainly, anytime you sell anything on an installment contract, you're taking the risk that they won't pay you, either because they can't or they won't, or they uh, were unsuccessful in your business. So there certainly is an advantage to getting cashed out. But uh, there's no legacy with that. And, you know, you might want your kids to take over the business or, or key employee. There might be non-financial reasons for that. There can be financial reasons for selling. Again, as I just mentioned that example, there can be a, you know, my, my partner, he, he was able to have a legacy thing because his business carried on and was able to get more money over time because the business was growing. And, uh, you know, I made all my payments to him. So he came out great with that. So it, it really depends on who you're working with and who who's going to take over that business. Brian, if you do sell your business internally and you sell it over a period of time, is it like buying, a, you know, a home or a car or something like like that where you own the collateral, you still own the business until they pay it off. Kind of, sort of. So uh, if you think about a car, when you drove off the lot, it was brand new and it was easy to exchange. Well, when you repossess that car, well, maybe it's got some dents in it and maybe the transmission was ran too hard and it needs a new engine and maybe the paint got destroyed. You know, same thing with the business. I mean, if you did have to repossess a business, which is really, really difficult to do for most kinds of businesses, especially service businesses, well, maybe your reputation's kind of been shot along the way because they didn't do a good job or maybe bills weren't getting paid or contracts were lost or who knows what. And, and you're not getting back what you sold. And so that that's a very real issue with that. You probably, the yeah, you have the collateral, but the collateral, if they failed, the collateral probably is, is not worth what it was. Your business really isn't what it was. And, and you've already retired. So it's like, wow, I didn't want to come back. And then you're picking up the pieces. So at that point, it might be too late. 
Brian, when you get ready to sell your business, you've got to put a price on it. How do you value what your company's worth? Yeah, well, there's a, there's an art to that. Uh, certainly, one thing that uh, you know, I've, I've done talks on valuation, business valuation, uh, using EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. But when you're selling a business, you also have to consider you're not going to be there anymore, so they're going to have to replace you. And so, you know, what's the cost of your replacement? And what were you taking out of the business that you won't be? And so there's some adjustments to that. But we're looking at the uh, essentially the turnkey profitability, a multiple of that for many businesses that, you know, if you're not there, how much is that business going to make over and above paying everybody, uh, including the, the owners that the new owners that work there, paying them a, a reasonable salary? What's left over after that? If it's zero, you, you probably aren't going to get anything for your business much at all. If it's positive, then you might get a multiple of that. So these are considerations. Uh, there's a lot that can go into business valuation, but that profitability is probably the primary one. Is it riskier to sell your business to key employees or family members than to simply just go out and look for a cash buyer? I would say yes in most cases because, again, if you find a cash buyer, they give you money. Well, there's no risk. You, you, you put it in your account. You're, you're good to go. Now, some people, like in my example, you can reduce that risk if you stay on in the business. Again, if you're not selling a whole thing and walking away, my partner that I bought out, he's still working here, I mean, even to this day, and even though he's all paid off. So, you know, the, he was able to still be present and managing uh, parts of the business while he was selling it. And so he had control, you know, something was going haywire, you know, he's, he's there every day. Okay, we, he can solve that. So that might be a way to reduce your risk as opposed to just, okay, here's the keys. Uh, I'll, I'll come back in five years and see how you've done. And you go, wait, what's this padlock on the door for? You know, so if you're if you're still participating, you, you certainly can reduce that risk. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Brian, you're saying that it would be advisable to stay on if you're selling it internally. Uh, in many cases, yeah. I mean, certainly if you want to reduce your risk, it would be advisable. And again, it's an opportunity if you're listening and you're younger or know somebody that's younger that's working in a business for somebody that is older. Well, you might want to consider taking a look at if they want to be a business owner someday, which, you know, someone else went all, to all the work of, of getting that thing off the ground, getting the, the relationships and the reputation, the equipment, inventory, whatever it is. That might be a good uh, opportunity a lot of people haven't really thought about. It's like, yeah, why do I have to be the employee all the time? Why can't I be the boss someday? Brian, let's talk about payment structure. I mean, how you get paid. Typically, how long is the uh, contract if you're selling it internally? Yeah, that's going to be a function of profitability. I mean, ideally, you'd say, okay, I want I want you to pay me off in two years. Well, gosh, where am I supposed to get all that money? Because it doesn't have that kind of profit margin to do that. So it's going to be somewhat tied to that. Uh, so I've seen, you know, every every length of contract, especially to employees or family, but you know, maybe it's 10 years. Uh, maybe the profitability is adequate to make the principal and interest payments over a 10-year period. But it's, it's really going to be a function of, you know, you can make it whatever you want, but if the money's not there, the money's not there. So you have to be realistic. Brian, this is an interesting topic, selling your business internally or to key employees. How can Madrona Financial help someone who wants to do this? Well, this is an interesting uh, one because certainly we can be of help. However, you're going to need a team for this. Uh, you're going to need an attorney. You might need a business broker. Or if you're just selling internally family, you probably wouldn't need a business broker. But again, it'd be very helpful to have an attorney experienced in this to help. And, and you might be, need somebody for business valuation. So there's different professionals that might be involved here. Certainly, 
we can uh, help with the income tax side of things and oversight and so forth and, and comments on, on that. But, you know, we're not business brokers. We're not attorneys. So I, I did want to point that out, that although we can be an assistance on this, we can't uh, perform those functions. However, as I mentioned, it's going to take a team and uh, some discussion, and you got to think about what you want. you got to think about what you want uh, security-wise, retirement-wise, payment-wise, price-wise, legacy-wise. There's a lot of internal stuff you're going to have to work out, too. So gather your team of trusted advisors uh, before you in endeavor on this. And if you're a buyer, same thing. You're going to want some advice on what makes sense because I've seen all kinds of crazy things. You know, people want $2 million for a business. And I say, well, this isn't a business at all. This is a job. Mm-hmm. They're not making any profit. Oh, yeah. Well, you're right. I sh- probably shouldn't <laughs> buy a business for $2 million. It doesn't make a profit once I start working there. And I say, yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. So we might be able to point out some issues like that. We've been talking about selling a business to family or key employees. In other words, an exit strategy. It is an option for you. So think about that, the pros and the cons. Once again, if you're a loyal listener to Growing Your Wealth, you know that we do offer a complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial review. To get yours, call 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You could also request a review online at madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. When you need something important done around the house, you call a professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on, or even if it's right for them? Madrona Financial Services is made of a team of professionals that will create a retirement plan as individual as you are and make sure your financial foundation is clear to you every step of the way. Call them today at 844-MADRONA for a no-obligation retirement readiness review. They'll learn about what you want most out of retirement, plus you'll get an investment and retirement analysis and a tax analysis. You've worked hard to earn it and save it. Take the time to have the right professionals help you keep it and grow it. Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. If the fuel gauge in your car was broken, would you know how far you could drive before running out of gas? You know, not knowing how long your money will last in retirement is a lot like driving a car with a broken fuel gauge. You just don't know how far you can go. At Madrona Financial Services, we want you to know that there's no need to live with the stress of uncertainty. At Madrona Financial, we have insurance-based solutions that can guarantee lifetime income, protect you from market losses, and even provide for your loved ones. And as a CPA and personal financial specialist, we scrutinize every product we offer. If you want to learn how to create a secure lifetime income stream, protect your money from market losses, provide for your loved ones, and potentially reduce your tax burden, schedule your complimentary meeting today. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us at madronafinancial.com. We'll arrange a meeting at one of our three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And this segment, we're going to be talking about something called key person insurance. And Brian, in any organization, there are usually uh, a number of executives in there, but there's always a number of key people who really make the business turn, who make the cogs go around in the wheels. So first of all, let's define what is a key person insofar as insurance goes. Yeah, a key person in this case, you know, everybody's important. Let me just state that first. This is more a function of how can a business go on with or without a person? So there's many roles within a business where someone is working where although it would be very difficult to replace that person, it's still possible and the business would go on if they weren't there anymore. But there's certain businesses where that may not be the case. So let's say that you're a, a hand surgeon and that's all you guys do and there's one of you that does it. Well, everybody that works there is important, but business pretty much ends if the hand surgeon isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't end if the surgery assistant isn't there. There will be a way to get another one. You know, it might be difficult. It might be hard to replace that person as well. But the business could survive that. The business could survive a new a medical biller. And if, if they left, it, it may not get somebody as good, but it would survive. It wouldn't survive losing the hand surgeon. So right. there's a real obvious key person. So there, there are businesses where the owner is a key person. There's businesses where the owner isn't a key person because it's fine without it. You know, it might be a so turnkey that that, that owner doesn't even hardly show up anymore because the employees are so important. So now we got to look at the employees. Okay. Who makes this thing go? Uh, do you have a particular engineer in your business that you don't think you could move forward if you lost that particular engineer or whatever that the case may be? There there might be certain people that you, you scratch your head. If they aren't here anymore, would we be okay? And if you're not, you might think, well, we might need to have uh, some money around to be able to go do the search and find the people and maybe load up on, you know, maybe it takes three people to replace that person. Who knows? Whatever it is. Now, there's another aspect of this, though. It's a key person if it's we're talking owner and that owner passes away. How are you going to pay off the estate? How do you keep that business going? Or is that estate just going to sell to an external buyer? So if you want it to be internal and and continue on the way it was, you might want to have some insurance money show up if that owner passes away so the company can buy back the shares from the owner's estate and continue on. So key employees, founders, owners, important executives, the people who are crucial to the company's survivability, if the covered employee dies, the business gets an insurance payoff. So how do you determine how much insurance you should have on a key employee? Yeah, well, that's a good question. That's where the the art of the planning would come into play. That's where you're going to want to work with your insurance agent on that and and understand the business valuation and the accounting angle, the the profitability and so forth, the what-if scenarios. So, for instance, in that case, uh, I just mentioned a couple things. Well, analyzing the profitability and the, and the scenarios is something a CPA firm might do. Well, okay, we have a CPA firm. Insurance, I mentioned insurance person. Well, we're insurance licensed. So we, we would uh, be a, a, a good starting point. Our firm could assist in that regard. Business valuation, we don't do. But, you know, there's probably, um, you know, different methods to, to get an understanding of what your business valuation is. So these are the some of the, the questions that have to be addressed. And certainly, again, that's something we could do. Now, 
Now, with insurance, I did want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, there's different kinds of insurance. There's permanent insurance and there's term insurance. All right. So I think I know the difference between permanent insurance and term insurance. Elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah. So term insurance is for a period of time, a term. And so you might buy insurance for a 10-year period. So you pay a bunch of money into it, get a lot of coverage on that person. And if they die during that 10-year period, then there will be a big payoff. If they don't die during that 10-year period, the policy ends. So that would be the definition of a term insurance policy. And maybe you only need to protect something for a period of time against you know something happening to someone. That is also the cheapest way to get insurance. Now, the flip side of that is permanent insurance. So this is insurance where you put a lot more money into it because it has an investment component to it. So the, the plan there is to have some valuation in that insurance someday that either could go to the, the heirs of the owner someday. And that might be important if you're, if you're considering a buyout. So there, you, you might want to put in a permanent insurance that will last, you know, permanent, you know, it's a lifetime kind of thing until you're, you're passing as opposed to term insurance that will go away. So, Brian, the business owns the key person insurance policy. I mean, the business pays the premium and they're also the beneficiary. That can be, yeah. You can have a number of different uh, ways of doing that. But, yeah, the, the business often will, will own that policy, pay the premiums, and the payments would be non-deductible to that business, but mm. the proceeds would then be non-taxable, uh, depending on how you set this thing up. So, yeah, that would be a way for a big infusion of cash if the owner passed away so the business could buy out the owner's estate. That's one way to design that. It can be designed in, in many different ways where maybe it's a, a, a benefit of that owner that they take with them at retirement or whatever it is. You know, it, again, many different ways you could structure this. But uh, very commonly, that would be it to provide the, you know, the big infusion of capital in case the worst thing happens, you know, the, the owner passes away. You don't want your business floundering and people wondering and maybe it didn't have a lot of cash on hand. And now the survival of the business is in question. So money doesn't solve everything. And we can throw a lot of money at things and doesn't, doesn't necessarily help. But, you know, generally speaking, in this case, uh, if it's planned out and you have the proper purposes and the proper amount of insurance, it can help uh, resolve a lot of issues. Brian, is key person insurance, is that typically just life insurance? Or let's say that my key person becomes disabled in some way and can't perform their job. Can you also get insurance that way? Yeah, I mean, uh, this key person insurance is typically uh, life insurance. And so uh, you can have disability. You, there might be disability policies that should be different. Sometimes, you know, in the state of Washington, it's difficult to get an insurance policy. It covers multiple things at the same time. Other states, you can. I don't know why the state of Washington is, is funny that way, because I'll talk to people across the country. Oh, yeah, I sold this annuity as a long-term care writer, as this writer and that writer. Yeah. And I'm going, uh, you know, I've been at seminars, and they'll say, yeah, our new product has all these writers and all these bells and whistles. And I raise my hand and say, what about the state of Washington? Oh, yeah, except in Washington, Oregon, and New York. <laughs> it's always Washington, Oregon, and New York. For whatever reason, <laughs> those states don't like the riders and, and these additional benefits on the insurance policy. So some of it will depend on the state that you're in as to what you can get. Each company has different offerings, and so you want to go as you know, an experienced person in that industry. Does typically the key person that you're trying to insure, does the insurance company require that they are underwritten in some way? Yes. There's probably the biggest rub on all of this. 
You might listen to this and go, oh, that sounds great. Let's go get a policy on Frank, who started this this firm in, in 1967 and is now 92 years old. And we want to make sure we can buy out his stock. Well, guess what? Frank is not going to qualify for a life insurance policy. He's right. 92. Right. He's too old. Or, uh, yeah, we got to get Fred out. Uh, he's only 62. Now that he's had his triple bypass heart surgery, we should start thinking about <laughs> buying him out. And it's like, <laughs> well, he is not going to qualify medically. And so that's the thing about life insurance. You do have to be underwritten and medically qualified to get the insurance in the first place. Is this a specialized field, Brian? What I mean by that is if I want to buy key person life insurance, disability insurance, do I have to go to a special broker for that? Or can most insurance brokers sell that sort of thing? That's a great question because, yeah, the, any insurance person licensed can sell that. If they're licensed in health and life, they can do that. Just like any mechanic, right out of mechanic school, you can put them to work on your Lamborghini. I'd like to get somebody that specializes in Lamborghini, though, myself. So uh, when it comes to this kind of insurance, I'd probably want to get somebody that, that has a lot of experience and isn't just, you know, oh, yeah, I can sell you an insurance. I got a license. In fact, uh, the ink's almost dry. I got it Tuesday. And, you know, I don't think you want that, <laughs> yeah. that that kind of assistance. So there is an advantage to experience, I would say, especially the more complicated something gets. Now, if you're just looking for a $10,000 term insurance policy, buy that from anybody. That's no big deal. Or even 100000 whatever. But something more complicated like this, you certainly want to go with somebody with more experience. Brian, it occurs to me that there may be many, many people in your organization that you would like to have life insurance on, and maybe some of them are not even key people. Can you do that if you desire? Well, you've got to have an insurable interest. You can't just buy life insurance on anybody. It has to be with a business. Yeah, you can buy it on a key employee. You can't buy it on your competitor's key employees or whatever. You know, you, right. you it has to, you have to have an insurable interest with life insurance. So again, this this area of thing is is this is all about planning, thinking ahead. I mean, we go to work and we work hard and we start businesses. We work hard and we never really look up sometimes and go, well, what if I want to retire someday? What if something happens to me? What if? What if? What if? And so this is just getting that conversation. Continuing about, okay, what if something happened to my key people or myself? Uh, would my heirs be taken care of? Would my spouse be taken care of? That kind of thing. Would my employees, would they be able to continue working in this business? I don't want to just pass away and everybody's floundering. They show up at work and go, mm -hmm. what happened to boss? I got hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. Oh, what about us? I don't know. He didn't think about it. What about his wife? I didn't think about her either. She's kind of mad. Yeah, she's sad and mad, you know, so uh, being flip about it. But, you know, think about these things and, and uh, make that part of the planning process. We're talking about key person insurance with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Once again, if you have $500,000 or more to invest in, you would like a comprehensive complimentary financial review with the advisors here at Madrona Financial. Call 844-MADRONA to get yours, 844-MADRONA. Or you can request it online at the website, madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Hi, I'm Brian Evans, owner of Madrona Financial Services, and here is a conversation you might find yourself having with your stockbroker. So, Ed, I'm 60 years old. How are you protecting my nest egg? I'm applying the rule of 100, so 60% of your investments are in bonds. Oh, what kind of bonds? Well, we use primarily intermediate-term government bonds. What's the yield on a five-year government bond these days? Oh, it's under 1.5%. 
So, Ed, how much do I pay you to manage my investments? 1.5%. Oh, so if interest rates stay flat, I'm only likely to lose a little money on a majority of my investments with you. That's right. What if interest rates go up? Well, then you could lose a lot more money. So if this is a frustrating conversation you're having with your stockbroker, you owe it to yourself to schedule a free financial plan for Madrona Financial Services. Call 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. Sometimes it's good to be different. That's the philosophy Madrona Financial Services is operated by for more than two decades. While most other financial service firms can invest your money and prepare you for retirement, Madrona Financial knows that a comprehensive financial plan involves going a lot further. That's why in addition to investing your money, they also incorporate income tax planning. Many of their financial advisors are also CPAs. But the Madrona difference doesn't stop there. They also have an expertise in exit strategies for active real estate investors using a Delaware statutory trust, lifetime cash flow, ways to pay for long-term care, trust, estate and legacy planning, and more. Try finding all that under one roof with your current financial advisor. If you want a different approach to securing your financial future, contact Madrona Financial for a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan by calling 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. Working harder, working together. That's the Madrona difference. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about setting up a retirement plan in your small business. And Brian, that is a really good perk, having a retirement plan in a small business. Uh, to me, that is a great way to attract uh, better employees. So let's talk a little bit about the details of doing that. First of all, are small businesses at all required to set up any sort of a retirement plan? No, they are not. Uh, it is not a requirement. And remember, you know, decades ago, a lot of them didn't have a, a plan. And uh, that that has really changed. And one of the biggest reasons, as you mentioned, was not only attracting employees, but retaining them. So I can pretty much guarantee you that okay, I own a CPA firm. If my CPAs were not offered a retirement plan at work, pretty sure that every one of my competitors does offer one and they would leave and go to a place that has a retirement plan. So, and certainly if I was trying to recruit somebody and they were at a firm that didn't have one, I'd just ask them, well, would you like to have one? They'd probably say yes. It's kind of one of those things that universally agreed upon. Everybody would like a retirement plan. They'd like some money in a retirement plan so they don't have to work forever. So now it's almost something it's you almost have to have for a lot of businesses. There's still some that, that don't have them, of course, but it's not required. But uh, if your competitors have it, you probably should too. Brian, what are the most common types of retirement plans should a small business consider offering? Yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, four of them today. You know that I'm not going to talk about pensions. Pensions are kind of going away for you know, most private businesses do not have pensions. It's been replaced by these kinds of retirement plans. And the first one I want to talk about is the, the 401k. Now, depending on the, the kind of work that you do, a similar type of plan might be a 403k or 457. Or, you know, if you're a healthcare provider, uh, you work for the state or your teacher. 
private businesses have 401k. These are just IRS code sections that allow for retirement plans to be funded and to grow tax deferred and to allow deductions on them from the employer and so forth. So I don't know why the retirement plan rules have gotten so convoluted over all the years, why there's so many different ones. You know, personal commentary, it would be nice if there was just kind of one that was allowed for everybody that had high high limits. We could all fund our retirement. But that's not what Congress thought was a good idea. So that's not what we have. So what we do have, uh, we'll start with 401k type plans. Some of the, the things about them is, well, there's actually two that I want to talk about. One is the, the solo 401k. If you're a sole proprietor or, or something of that nature, you can do a 401k with just one employee. And now if you start getting more employees, what's interesting is most business owners would not elect to have a 401k if they have several employees. But when they get a bunch of employees, they would be back to wanting a 401k. So there's, it's just a weird, weird deal there. But there are solo 401ks. One of the reasons why you would want something like that is you have high annual contributions that you can put away. You can put, uh, if you're under age 50, you can put 20 plus thousand away. And if you're 50 or over, you can add another maybe 6,500 to that or, or whatever the, the amount may be that year. And so you can put decent amounts away. But once you start adding employees, now you have filing requirements uh, that are much more complicated. The plans become very expensive to administer on a per-employee basis. So you mentioned that there are basically four ways to do it, and the first one is 401k. What's the second one? Yeah, that was the solo 401k. And then as you, you get other employees, you might say, well, I don't want to spend all that money. See, a solo 401k is very inexpensive to administer. But if you have several employees, then it gets very expensive. So you might go, I don't want to spend all that money. I, it was hard enough for me to be talked into starting a retirement plan for my employees. I don't want to spend a lot of money on administration. Is there anything that's not as complicated? And uh, they came up with a good term for this one. It's called a simple, a simple plan, S-I-M-P-L-E plan. And that one, one of the positives to it is really easy to set up. You know, and it's, it can be funded by the employer and the employee. One of the problems, though, is that it has a lower maximum that you can put away. It's fourteen, roughly 14000 depending on the year. And so you can't put as much away. But like I said, it's simple and it's inexpensive. And there are mandatory employer contributions, though. So you do have to put something away for your employees. That's not a bad thing. Even if you're an employer, it's not a bad thing to put money away for your employees. I think it's a good thing. Luckily, uh, you know, we adopted retirement plans right from the get-go here at the firm. And uh, after I came on board and was a, essentially second employee, I guess, way back when. But as I mentioned, that is something that if you're just getting your feet wet in this plan world and you have a, a small business or, or you work for someplace and they've talked about it, you might suggest, well, you might want to just look into a simple because maybe they have in their mind that it's really expensive and complicated, but it doesn't have to be if you have a simple does the number of employees you have basically dictate the type of plan that you're going to pick? Kind of does uh, in a lot of ways. And it also matters about what kind of business you have. So let's say that you want to put a lot of money away. You might pick something called a SEP uh, if you make a lot of money, SEP, Simplified Employer Plan. And and so you might, you'd be able to put a lot of money away potentially if you make a lot. So let's say the business does really well. You can put up to 25% of the profits away into a SEP plan. The One of the cool things about that 
the SEPs is that they're easy to set up and they have really high maximum limits. The limits can go above $60,000. Now, you might say, well, that sounds like the one for me. I want to put a lot of money away for myself. Well, the rub on that is that you got to, if you put 25% of your compensation away, you got to put 25% of the compensation of your employees away too. So that's a pretty big raise. And so, you know, you, you want to consider that. Also, it's tied to uh, compensation very often. So if you're an S Corp, you might not have what's called normal compensation. You might be taking earnings out as owner distributions instead. That That's not going to be allowed for the SEP contribution. So you, you're, you're actually stated wage might be less than some of the workers at your firm. They get more money putting their plans in than you do in yours. So again, there's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's, you don't just go out and just pick a plan. You got to think about this stuff. You got to think about the implications, the kind of business you have, who's in it, who do you want to put money away for, how much, the cost of the plan, all these different things. So, Brian, we uh, started off by talking about the uh, solo 401k, but there is a regular 401k too, right? Yeah, that's the most common one out there. And certainly bigger companies tend to have 401ks, regular full-on 401ks. They have annual filing requirements. You got to have a plan document. They're somewhat expensive to set up and there'll be a, a per employee charge and, and an overall charge. Now, the more employees you have, the less on a per person basis they, they are. But they, this is the preferred way to uh, have uh, retirement plans for people. And and depending on, on how you fund it, I mean, if you fund it well, then the owners can contribute to it. But if you don't put a lot of employer money into it, you know, the owners might be very limited as to how much they can put away. I remember I, I have a, a good buddy from college and, and he works for a very large national corporation and uh, it was a fast food outfit. And they had a plan, but because he was a highly paid executive, he was held to the same standards like an owner. And the company didn't really put money into the plan, and so it was just employee contributions. So he was limited to how much the average person put away for themselves. Now, a national taco fast food place, employees don't <laughs> typically put a whole bunch of their paycheck away. No, they don't. No, they don't. So yeah, I, I think one year he said, yeah, Ryan, I don't know what to do. I, my, my max contribution was 160 bucks this year <laughs> because nobody puts any money into it. Yeah. It's kind of a silly thing to do. So if that employer had put you know X percent away, then he would be able to, to max out his plan. But that's not how they set that thing up. And so that's another consideration. And that is how much are you willing to put away for your employees as it relates to how much you want to put away for yourself as the owner. As an employer, do you necessarily have to contribute to the plan or should you? Well, that's a, yeah, that's what's going to uh, come out. If you want to contribute to the plan, they kind of go hand in hand with contributing for yourself. Again, if you if you don't want to put money into the plan as the employer, you're probably not going to get to put anything into yours, too. They've got a lot of rules, and there's, there's so many pages of tax code dedicated to employer retirement plans. One of the ones I, I didn't get into here is these are all called defined contribution plans, but there's something called a defined benefit plan. And the defined benefit plan, you can put hundreds of thousands of dollars away, literally, uh, if, you, if you had that kind of profit. It, it, they're, they're generally good for a small company, let's say your doctors or something like that. And maybe uh, you don't have a lot of employees because the employees are going to get a percentage of their, a very high percentage of theirs too. But the defined benefit uh, allows older people 
people closer to retirement that are high income to really sock away a lot of money all at once. And so I won't get too much into that because that doesn't affect a lot of people. But yeah, you have to, as a business owner, do a little soul searching on how much you want to put away. And and then that will kind of dictate uh, which plan you want to pick and how much you can put away for yourself. But again, I, I think you know, as an employer, I want to be a good employer. I want to be somebody that's as proud of the fact that, you know, that I put a decent amount away uh, in, mm-hmm. into all my employees' retirement plans every year. It's very expensive for me. But, you know, and I also want to have good health insurance and dental and vision and life insurance, everything. And so it's actually, you know, I think it's a privilege as an employer to be able to do that uh, as a small business owner. And so it doesn't bother me at all, you know, really at all to, in fact, I, I again, I think of it's a privilege to be able to help fund people's retirement plans and, and pay them well and and make sure that they can have nice houses and cars and education and their kids are doing well and, and they'll have a retirement someday and all that. So I think, you know, just a personal comment there. I, I, I think we want to look at these plans. If you don't have one at your workplace, it's really important to get retirement plans. Uh, we all want to retire someday. We all want to have finances in our older age when we can't work. And so I think it's really important to have this discussion to say it doesn't have to be that scary. You know, it, it, yeah, it's a little bit of money, maybe that first year you set it up and all this stuff. And then you get pretty used to it after a while. And then, you know, you see people's accounts grow. You see your own account grow. It can be a very good thing. So I would encourage uh, any business owner to consider that if you don't have a retirement plan, definitely get one. Or if, or if it doesn't really do a lot for you, maybe uh, ramp it up and maybe go to the 401k route. If someone's listening to this show, Brian, and they want to set up a retirement plan for their business, how would they go about doing that? Who should they contact? Well, the custodians hold the money. So you think of custodians like Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Schwab or whatever. There's many custodians out there that can assist in setting up plans. Certainly, if you have a payroll service like Paychex or something, they can assist too. There's a lot of ways to get a retirement plan. And, and I just want to spend this you know time to kind of give you some of the basics on the more common defined contribution plans that are out there, that whether it's a 401k, the SEP, or the simple, or the solo 401k. And so just get a, a little information about that because it's really important. You'll, you'll want to spend some time figuring out which one's best and get some help from them as to figuring that out. They can help with the paperwork. They've got it pretty streamlined. It used to be a lot more complicated than it is now. So uh, again, don't be don't be afraid of it being this big burden to you to get this thing set up. And they can even, if you got the right people, they can help with the investments because you can have a plan, but then now people got to pick what they're going to invest in. So there's help available for that too. If you have a business and you're interested in setting up a retirement plan, just uh, Google setting up a retirement plan for my business and you'll find more than a few people who are willing to help you. You're listening to Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services. Our show is called Growing Your Wealth. Once again, if you have $500,000 or more to invest and you're looking for a financial plan, a financial review, call 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, no cost and no obligation. You can also get your plan and request it online at madronafinancial.com. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. This is Brian Evans from Madrona Financial, and I'm here to tell you that issues with your estate could be a major headache, but can be easily avoided. Call us for a retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA, and we'll discuss your current estate plan. The last thing that you want is your estate to go to the government, a trustee, or to people you don't even know. What about the stress of being executor when you don't know what was desired or where assets are? And in the end, there may not be a whole lot left over, and there's a good chance that it will cause bad blood among your family. 
What would happen to your assets if your spouse remarries after you pass? What about your kids, their spouses, and your grandkids? You've earned it, saved it, and now it's time to protect it. And we'll make it easy to give you the guidance you need. Call Madrona Financial today for a free retirement readiness and estate plan review. Our number is 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And this segment, we'll be talking about starting a new business. And Brian, according to statistics, there are some 6 million small businesses in the United States with one or more employees. And I think really small businesses are the backbone of America. So if you want to get in and be part of the backbone of America, maybe you want to be one of the vertebrae there and you want to start your own small business, where would you start with this, Brian? I mean, how would you decide what business to start? Well, yeah, that's a that's a great question because sometimes we've heard about people starting business, we think about starting a business and all of that. With uh, Out of that $6 million, uh, almost half of them are owned by baby boomers. And baby boomers are going to be looking to retire sometime soon. So in my case, I could have started a CPA firm way back when, and I you know would have had like a dozen you know clients the first year, and maybe I'd go meet some people. Hey, you want me to do your taxes? You know, go around mm-hmm. town. It would have taken me forever to get to where I was. So I found it much easier to buy into a business from somebody that was older than myself. And so, you know, you can start your own business or you can buy into a business. But we're going to talk about starting a business from scratch here. But I I wanted to mention that at least. So according to the Small Business Association, there are about 10 steps that uh, one needs to take when starting a business. The first one is conducting market research. Well, clearly there's a lot of businesses out there that fail. (laughs) And uh, I would say the common theme, they didn't do a a great market research there because uh, they would have found out that, you know, maybe I like to make pies and people like my pies, but it cost me, you know, $20 to make a really good pie and I can only sell them for 15. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's probably not going to be a good business. Businesses need to be profitable. They need, they need a lot of attributes to, to work. So make sure that you, you've done your research on whatever it is you do so you can uh, hopefully have it set for success. Uh, The next thing is write a business plan. I've talked to people, where's your business plan? They're like, I don't have one. I'm just going to do this. I'm like, well, that's pretty flip. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, maybe it'll work. Maybe not. Uh, Maybe you you know that you don't want to ask yourself the hard questions because you you don't have answers to them. I'd say before you put a lot of time and money into your business, you might want to figure out whether you think it's going to make it or not and and really uh, put it to the test. One of the other things about businesses is funding your business. There's a lot of ideas and businesses that start and they, they fold up pretty quick because they didn't have proper financing. You didn't have enough money. You had enough money for maybe the shelves and to stock your store a little bit, but maybe it takes a while to uh, to get people paying and, and you got to buy inventory and you got employee costs and you got all this stuff. You go, wait a second. I spent all my money on the on the initial, just kind of getting the signs and all this other stuff. I don't have money for all of that. Yeah, well, your business might fail if you don't have proper financing. So, you know, if I'm putting together money for my business, how long should I expect my business to run without making a profit? I mean, 
how do I figure out how much money that I need in order to keep going? Well, that's exactly why you have a business plan, because the business plan is going to have your projections in there. It's going to have your, you need to stress test. What if you, you know, I've seen business plans. Oh, our sales are going to increase 100% a month for 10 years. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, you're Amazon. Great. But uh, maybe you're not. Maybe it's not going to be that good. And so you kind of got to stress test it and say, okay, what if things don't go according to plan? Am I going to be able to get through to that next level? So these are things that you got to put to the test. Certainly, um, many businesses, the location is really important. I remember uh, I had this person call me and said, yeah, they need an accountant for their new business. I went out there and I couldn't even find it. And I was like, I was looking, I thought I had the right address. It was a pet store. And I was driving around and finally I figured out it was a building behind the building on Highway 99. (laughs) I'm thinking, and I was like, okay, uh, you're behind a building. You can't see. Yeah, the rent was cheaper, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I can see the PetSmart on the other corner. And literally, there was a big old PetSmart there. And I was like, oh, boy, this is not going to go well. Of course, that business didn't last very long. So location can be very important, depending. Maybe it's not. Uh, Frankly, my CPA firm, financial advisory firm, we can, can operate anywhere. It doesn't really matter where we are. Choosing your business structure. Are you going to be a sole proprietor, S-Corp, LLC partnership, C-Corp? You know, this is a very important consideration. LLC, electing S-Corp for income tax purposes, that's a common thing. So picking a proper business structure. The fun stuff is choosing a name for your business. I think you had a good name for for a business during break. Yeah, Brian, my sister had a pet grooming business, and she called it Groomingdales. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can have some fun picking a name, and that's all fun. And, uh, you know, you have to register your business, and then you have to get federal and state tax IDs. This is the not fun part. Apply for licenses and permits, depending on your business. you got to be licensed to do it, perhaps. And then you need to open a bank account. So some of this is administrative, but I, I'm going to get back to that original one. If, if you don't have an idea, and the original was writing your business plan and making sure it's going to survive. If you don't have an idea that's kind of unique, better, different than your competition... Uh, it's got to be profitable. You got to have proper financing, proper cash flow, accounting, a management. The, your timing has to be right. There's a lot of things that have to go into a successful business. If any one of them aren't going well, you're probably going to fail. And so before you start a business, put it to the test and make sure that you've thought all the things through that could go wrong and, and may go wrong, that you would be able to survive that and that it would flourish and uh, achieve the objective you want it to achieve. And Brian, I would imagine when uh, trying to start a business and the type of business that you should start, that you probably want to consider, you know, does the community, does the uh, area need something like this? I mean, you know, you're filling a need, you're solving a problem. Right, right. You know, and, and I, I remember there's back in the day, there was you know, somebody came to me, I was thinking about opening an espresso stand. I'm like, well, there's one on every single corner of this <laughs> town. I, I don't know that we need another espresso stand. Maybe you should try selling something that isn't sold by, by everybody out there. And, you know, that, it's probably a bad example, but, you know, there's there's certain uh, uh, businesses that are in great need, and there's a lot of them right now. And, and you could tell if, if you go someplace and they're like, oh, can I get an appointment? Well, yeah, in six months. Sure. Well, that might be a good business to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the demand is there, and, and maybe there's not enough supply of people that can provide that, whatever that is. Now, a lot of that might be because there's it, it takes a skill set that you don't have. So one of the things I've, I've noticed about businesses is that the more barriers to entry there are, the better your chances. Meaning that, let's say somebody had a landscaping business, 
and they keep losing their best employees because they go out and start their own business. Well, that's because with a truck and a and some hand tools and a lawnmower, they can have a what they would call a landscaping business. It's not hard to start a landscaping business. You just need some tools. And whereas it's really hard to uh, start a hand surgery business, mm-hmm. there's a big barrier to entry. You got to be a hand surgeon. <laughs> so, right. you know, and so that's why hand surgeons make more than landscapers because it's harder and there's less of them. And so, you know, the more barriers to entry, uh, I think the better. Um, certainly, I had some. I had becoming a CPA is mm-hmm. hard, becoming a financial advisor, uh, a personal financial specialist. These are hard things, and not everybody can do that. And so that put me at a competitive advantage, uh, having all these uh, certifications. So uh, something to consider that the easier it is to get into it, let's say that you found something that was easy to get in- into and was really profitable. Everybody was going to figure that out, like the first espresso stands, right, getting back right. to that example. They were killing it. Well, then, and then everybody knows that, and then 20 more go up around it, and all of a sudden, they're not killing it anymore. And so, because people figure that out, they can copy that. And so, uh, if it's easily uh, copied or easy to get into, it may not uh, be good for a, a long time. And you mentioned that term, competitive advantage. That is something that a lot of people, I think, overlook. They don't ask themselves what's different or better about my product that's going to make people want to buy it. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, there's a million financial advisors out there and people that can sell you an annuity or whatever. I can do the same thing. But there aren't a million financial advisors that are CPAs and can give estate planning advice and trust advice and income tax planning and understands real estate and business succession and advanced charitable gifting strategies. I go on and on and on. And so I have a unique competitive advantage over somebody that can't do all those things and can't even talk taxes. You don't want to go to a financial advisor and say, yeah, I got a tax question. Oh, yeah, I can't answer that. You'll have to consult your CPA. Well, what about, can we talk about my estate, my legacy plan? Oh, no, no, no. Your estate planning attorney needs to be in the room. And, you know, they go on and on and on about what they can't answer. I'm like, well, I can answer all that stuff. So I have a competitive advantage that other people don't. I would imagine as well, Brian, that unless you're opening your business on the busiest, most heavily trafficked corner in your town, and people just have to drive by it every day, that marketing and advertising is going to be a very important thing to consider how to do. Yeah. And, you know, there was a time before I had radio show and before I wrote books and was a public speaker and all this stuff. I would sit in my desk in Everett here and think, boy, I'm the best kept secret in the Puget yeah, Sound. Yeah. I have all this knowledge and experience and I don't have that many clients. And so that was part of the impetus of, of doing radio. And now people know who Madrona Financial is, who Brian Evans is. And I have lots and lots of clients, which is great. And the business has been able to grow and we've added advisors and all that stuff. So that's that's fantastic. I, di- I didn't think I was ever going to be a marketing, you know, or advertising mm-hmm. anything, but in a sense, this is what this is. And when I do this show, people uh, can learn about me and that's how I get known. So yes, you can do everything right, but if nobody knows about it, about yeah, you're the best kept secret in town, you probably won't have that successful of a business. Yeah, that's right, Brian. And I think that's the biggest mistake that people make, Brian, is keeping their business a secret. And to me, marketing and advertising is probably almost as important as electricity, you know, turning on the lights every day in your business. We've been talking about starting a new business with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. 
Once again, for the listeners of our program today, if you have $500,000 or more to invest and you would like a complimentary financial review, call 844-MADRONA or you can request it online at madronafinancial.com. Out of time for this week, Brian. Thanks so much for your time. Thank our listeners for joining us this week as well. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.